Hello, ladies. Welcome to the Daily Bread Podcast, hosted by The Women Well. We pray today you are brought near to the Father's heart and you receive daily bread from His presence through this conversation. Enjoy. Hi, Lisa. Hi. How are you doing? I'm doing so good. Good. Thank you for inviting me on. Oh, my God. I'm so excited that you're on. You know, my husband and I were supposed to host you together. Um, but he can't, he's not here today. We actually, uh, I don't know if you know much about us, but I'd love we're, to hear. Uh, we're a high school, uh, we do high school missions in California, okay. in Los Angeles. And so we, uh, have a community of missionaries, about like 45 of us. And so something came up with one of our missionaries this morning. So he had to run over and try to help him, um, from an accident. So, He's there, and I'm here, which is totally divine, because I've honestly watched you from afar, and have learned so much um, by just watching you. I don't know if you remember, I was at Rise Up in Washington, uh, and I was was on there with Lou, so I've worked with Lou Engel before, and I came up to you with one of my... One, one of the girls that's on the team with us. In the tent. In the tent. In the tent. Yes. 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 Okay. yes. yes. Okay. I was pregnant then oh. with our second baby, our baby girl. We have two girls and recently a boy who's okay. uh, two and a half months old. Um, but I came up to you because I was like just, you know, I was in that moment of like fanning. I was like, that's Lisa Bevere. And so I came up to you and I was like honoring you and, I took a picture with you, and I just remembered something you said, which was um, profound to me. You said, thank you for honoring me. Like, it means so much um, that you would come over and just honor me. And that's really how I want to start, because I feel like, you know, I'm 37. You just turned 60. I saw it on your uh, Instagram, Yeah. how, like, your mother and grandmother And so we just want to honor you, everyone that's on here, you know, and people that come on to our ministry and what we do are so young. They're teenagers, they're young adults. That's who we reach. Um, But we want to honor you as like a hero and a legend that has really walked before us. And just what we have on every Thursday is called The Well. Okay. And it's based on John 4 on the Samaritan woman. I love that. Yeah, who comes and is enc- encounters Jesus at the well. And then from there, like, after this crazy encounter, she goes and becomes the first woman evangelist who, like, evangel- evangelizes all Samaria. So, well, actually, there's even more to that story. I don't know if you know this. She goes from there to Carthage. And then from, the, from, from Carthage, she actually goes to Rome. And she was actually martyred uh, by Caesar in a well. Yeah, he put her, well, there's two different accounts. One says that he put her in a dry well, and he said, since you met your Jesus in a well, you can meet him there again. But she ministered faithfully in the prison for a couple years. I don't know, I have a book called Without Rival, and I actually wrote about this woman. Uh, Her name 
She got baptized. She was there in the upper room. She got baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit. She has a name. Her name is Potina. It's P-H, Potina, and it means enlightened one. And wow. she actually became an evangelist to Samaria. She actually became one of the most famous apostles. And wow. so signs and wonders, they said, it, according to the account, they beat her and she didn't even feel pain. She had uh, sons, I think she had two sons, two sons, one was in the Roman army and the other one traveled with her in the ministry. She had sisters that she traveled with as well. And a lot of times people don't realize, you know, when they always talk about her being this horrible woman, married five times, living with a guy. But the one thing everybody forgets is back then women couldn't divorce men. So she had been rejected, 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 rejected to a place where she'd come to such a brokenness, such an incredible brokenness. It's, it's, the whole story is in Without Rival. And wow. um, yeah, so I wrote about it and she actually confronted Nero. She stood in front of Nero and witnessed Christ to him. Matthew, when he told all the Christians he was going to put him to death, they started to disperse. Instead, she got in a boat and she went straight to Rome and uh, dared him to defy a daughter of the Most High God. Oh so, God. She, yeah. So in in Samaria, there is a church built over the well, and it is called the Church of Potina. Is Whoa. that amazing? Yeah. I had no idea. No. So, okay. So this is it's. I'm trying to find. Uh, I mean, I have it all documented in my uh, book Without Rival you would read it, it would add a whole nother layer to you. And, you know, the beautiful thing is, think about how many women uh, who have gone through that kind of pain, the first thing they talk about is worship. Yeah. But this woman was obviously a deep well living a shallow life. She had looked for, she had looked for fulfillment with man after man after man, only to be rejected. And now she is living with a man who doesn't even share his name with her. And she was that broken. But Jesus gave her a new name. He gave her a new nature. He called her to be an apostle. He filled her with his spirit. And this incredible woman is a sign and a wonder. Yeah, so they used to measure apostles back then. People weren't allowed to just say, oh, I'm an apostle. They had to have signs and wonders and miracles following them. Come on. And she had those things. Wow. So I, I, this is incredible. Isn't that fun? It's called Without Rival. Yeah, Without, I mean, Without Rival. So so it's the chapter near the end. It's called A Daughter Without Rival. And I have to, I, I, everyone has to read this Without <laughs> Rival. Well, we have, that, that's my book that's the New York Times bestseller. Wow. So I talk about two particular women, uh, Botina, who we know is Samaritan. At Samaritan women, and you know, she's like talking to Jesus, yeah. and, and she has this encounter, and a lot of people miss the fact that she is, uh, two things happened. First of all, Jesus was winning a ministry competition. I hate to even say it that way. Yeah, that's it. People are doing the confusion and comparison. So she, he was winning. It said that Jesus uh, and John were both baptizing. They're both baptizing, but Jesus started to baptize more people than John. And the Pharisees were keeping a record of the number of baptism. 
See, if the enemy cannot stop you from going forward with the things of God, he will actually make you think your co-laborers are competitors. And so what happened was these people started, they tried to, he tried to change, you know, John and Jesus into competitors. And so what did Jesus do? He left. He left and he went to Samaria. He went on his way to Samaria. But he went the long way for this one woman. Yeah. This one broken woman. And it says that the disciples were like, ew, like, why are you talking to her? Like, this is a Samaritan woman, and she's obviously a woman that does not have a good reputation. But she was a woman who had great capacity. She had spent everything and found herself empty. And so when she met the one with living water, she took all of it, took all of it in, and she went back to her village, and she shared Come meet the man. Come meet the man that told me everything about me. So there's this beautiful story. And um, so two accounts of how she died. One account said she was left in a well to um, to die. She was and martyred. Not, yeah, martyred. The second one said that uh, she was in prison. Like they took her The second account says they took her out of the well and put her back in prison because she wasn't dying. So she actually had, had been um, preaching, and that's why they threw her in the well, because they got mad, because she was people were coming in getting saved while she was in prison, just like Paul preached in the prison. And uh, so what she did is she told everybody, Jesus appeared to me, and I'm going to I'm gonna actually go home to heaven tomorrow. So don't be sad. He's coming for me tomorrow. So there was two different accounts. But here's what I love. Not only was this woman hungry, but according to history, she was preaching while in a prison. Come and most on. people think that they have to have total freedom to preach. And I would just say to every single person there that, that God has, he has something for you to say in this season. He has people for you to reach in this season. There is the most broken places on your life become this incredible uh well, we'll say well, refreshing for yeah. other people where yeah. their lives are deserts and barren. And yeah, so I, I love, I love, I love um, that you. Yeah, you know, it's so work. interesting because this really came out of prayer. Yeah, with women that I mean, I've yeah. been, I've been, I'm a prodigal, so I came back to the Lord, um, like at 23, and then uh, it's been 15 years. I've been, you know, back in the Lord 15 years, and then but suddenly you only look like you're 23. that's amazing um and then suddenly the lord starts dropping stuff on this woman on john 4 the samaritan woman but also talked about like luke 1 of like mary and elizabeth yeah and these two women who were like had no rivalry they were like together in covenant and jesus and john came out of these women but it was the women, and I love this. I heard a teaching from you of us as women and mothers, we know the times. Like, we can discern yeah. times. And I feel right. like like Elizabeth and, you know, Mary were women that were able to discern the times, even of, like, when their sons would begin to do ministry, you know? And right. so I, I'd love for you to, like, even talk to us right now as, like, mothers and even grandmothers and 
like girls, like berries, like that are on this, uh, you know, are young and, and are looking at a different time right now. We're in a global pandemic, you know, like everything's changed. Um, church, the normality of church has changed. Churches are being, you know, shut down and here in California, like, like even worship, like we can't worship anymore. Like that's yeah. just wild. So we're living in such different, different times. And as mothers, you know, and grandmothers, like mm -hmm. discerning the, the moment and the time for us, what would you say to us, Lisa? Like what? Well, you, you, asked, you asked a ton of things, but I will absolutely, I, I'm so excited to speak into that. First and foremost, I want to talk about our time. Yeah. Because I believe that we have forgotten that church is not a building, that we are the church. So I don't have to gather anywhere to worship, to sing out loud. And I feel like God, even though the enemy would use this time to be a, a shutdown time, God is saying, I'm going to actually teach my people that they can have sacred spaces in intimate places. That is something he said to me, sacred spaces in intimate places. Intimate places. Yes. So we can have, we can have a, we can have a, a worship service in our home. We, we can have a worship service in our closet. I can meet with God wherever I'm at. But God has kind of leveled the playing field in, in some ways where he is saying, is it about me or is it about your followers? Is it about the crowd? Is it about speaking into people or is it about speaking in front of people? So at the end of the day, God is actually weighing all of our motives. And I'm including myself in that. And so we have to say, is it more valuable for me to actually honor God in an intimate way and make sure that I'm, as a parent, not in the platform speaking and not knowing how to pastor my children. Because I, so will good. Tell, I will tell you, a lot of young mamas, they got really dependent on the church. You know, you, you drop your kids off, you go and listen to the service, you pick them up, and you're driving in your car, and you're like, so what did you learn today? And they're like, oh, I colored this. And you're like, oh, that's beautiful. What else did you learn? You know, God is saying, hey, people, you have the right to teach your children. Come on. You have the right to share who God is. And you know what? You don't have to read it to them in King James. You have to let them know the story of your life. Come and on. So, no, yes, you are the church. And we are collectively the church. And so I, I'm just going to see. I got on my Instagram live because so many moms were like, I don't know. I don't know how to do this with my children. Well, you watch for the moments, which means you have to give space for the moments. I remember my oldest son, Addison, we were talking, and we used to always act out blind Bartimaeus. I, I don't know. I, I just blind Bartimaeus. I love him. They tell yeah. him to be quiet, and he's like, I'm just going to yell louder. Okay, so he's blind. He's yelling, and then all of a sudden it says, Jesus stops and says, call him. So my sons and I would act it out like, shut up, you can't talk, you know, so Addison would be, his little spirit was, it was, it was alive, and he would ask these questions, and, uh, you know, blah, 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 so then he came into this conversation where he said, mom, why couldn't an angel have died for me, why did wow. Jesus have to die for me, wow, and he, I want to think he was three, because I was pregnant with, you know, I was either just had Austin, or I was either pregnant, so he's two or three, and I remember thinking, you know what? I can have this conversation with him. Yeah, and you're right. Your kids are always watching. And so I said, you know what? And so I started to tell him the whole story. And we were laying on the floor, looking up at a ceiling fan, 
and there was no service, like there was nobody with microphones, there was no smoke machine, and I, I love all that. But in that moment, my son got profoundly born again. John and I also are the ones, I believe with at least three of our boys, if not all four of our boys, we are the ones that prayed with them to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We opened up our Bibles. We talked to them. When our kids were sick, I remember John going outside of one of our son's rooms. and Well, first he, he read him out of the book of James. If there's any sick among you, let them call for the elders in the church. And John said, Allie, do you know I'm an elder? And I was like, are you sure you're an elder? Like, are you really an elder? Because we're not on the elder board. And John was like, I believe an elder is somebody with influence and somebody, you know, I believe five people are elders. And so anyway, uh, he said, Allie, I'm going to go out in the hallway, and if you want Jesus to heal you, you call for me. And he was like, he walked out in the hall. My mom heart's panicking. I'm thinking, what if my son doesn't get healed? What is he going to think? And so he goes, Daddy. So John comes in. He confesses all the sins of a third grader to my husband. <laughs> so sweet. And John laid hands on him, anointed him with oil. And my son had a tumor underneath his tongue. And it didn't happen overnight, but within a week, that tumor disappeared. So this Whoa. is something that we have the right to do for our children. Yeah. So we need to, we need to be people who actually say at home, this is it. Had a beautiful mom tell me that she was telling, redoing a retail story of Daniel and how they told him, you can't pray. You can't pray. And they threw him into the lion's den. Yeah. She's just telling the story to her son. And she said her two-year-old son jumped off the bed, stood up, and said, I'm going to pray right now. No one's stopping me from praying. These are the kind of things that need to happen with our kids. So true. We, have, we have forgotten as mothers and as grandmothers that we have greater weight. And that doesn't mean it's convenient. No. It doesn't mean it's easy. It doesn't mean it will happen by accident, but we have to be intentional, all of us as parents, to speak the word of God. You know, John and I have four sons. They're all men now. One of them has four children. Three of them are married. One is single. Please help us. But anyway, we talked about the things of God with our boys. We didn't talk bad about our pastor. That's not talking about the things of God. We, we know we might have said, hey, guys, let's talk about what they were said in service today. Let's look at the scripture. How does that line up? What do you think? Do you think it's okay for women to, to speak in the church? Do you think it's not okay for women? Like we, we taught them to think. We didn't tell them what to think. We taught them how to learn the why behind what they thought. And all four of our boys work with us in the ministry, love God. And I have to be honest with you, I think they're more godly than John and I. So <laughs> we believe awesome. it's legacy. It's legacy. Yeah. And so, mamas, you have a whole lot of power in your life. Don't let the enemy overwhelm you with things that are unimportant. Your kids do not care if their underwear is trifolded, but they do care if you are there for them. They don't, they don't want you stressed out. They don't want to be a bother to you. They don't want to just be one more thing. I'm, like you said, I'm 60, so if anybody knew, didn't know that, you know, I am 60, and I will tell you, that there's one regret, one regret I have with my kids, just one. I wish I would have played with them more. I wish I would have gotten down on the floor and played with them more. 
I wish I wasn't so busy picking up what was on the floor that I didn't get on the floor. And that's why a lot of grandparents say, oh, I like grandkids better. Why? Because they know I'm going to get down on the floor with them. I'm going to play with them more. Mothers get busy and weary and tired with things that are not needful. They become Martha. And Jesus is saying, you can, you can actually be a Mary right now. You know, let the little things go. Streamline your life. Get rid of the th- stuff that gets in the way. Because when my kids were little, you know how I felt? I felt like I was surviving them rather than enjoying them. And so if you are in that place and you're a mama right now, clear the decks, figure out what you do not have to be involved with so you can actually be involved with these children. Because we got a really dark world right now. And I'm not, I, I don't know, I wish I had, I wish I had the answer. I wish I had the answer of what it's going to look like. But I'm going to tell you this right now. Uh, getting President Trump elected is not the answer. Getting Joe Biden elected is not the answer. Getting Kanye elected is not the answer. The answer is actually in our power. When our pe- my people who are called by my name humble themselves, turn to their own wicked ways, pray and seek my face, that's when God hears and that's when God heals. And so we have more power than we realize. And uh, one other thing about mamas. This is so good, Lisa. Oh, so good. Well, do you know why God picked Abraham? Because I, he saw him righteous. I don't know his faith. He's the yeah. father of our faith. <laughs> he is our father of our faith. But he had no children. I mean, like, let's talk about this. Yeah, he was like... Yeah, like, he has no kids. He tells him to leave with nobody. He brings Lot. He didn't He didn't really listen on that. Uh, but there's one reason that, that God picked Abraham. God said that he picked Abraham because he knew that he, that Abraham would teach his children and lead them in God's ways. God always picks us based off of legacy. So, you know, when I look at John and I, I can look back at our pictures, which, you know, occasionally we, we see them. Thankfully, we didn't live in the Instagram world back then, but, you know, so we didn't have a ton of pictures. So I look back at our wedding pictures and I think that God looked at John and I and they said, wow, that's a sweet little awkward couple, but you know what? They fear me and they want to honor me and they want to be the beginning of a thousand generations who love God and keep his commandments. So I'm going to look beyond all of their awkwardness. I'm going to look beyond. I'm going to bless them. I'm going to bless them because they honor me. And I think there's so many people that don't understand this incredible privilege each of us have is to be the beginning of a thousand generations of those who love God and keep his commandments. And so, you know, it used to be that the sins of the fathers were visited on the third and fourth generation. But God was like, nope, we're not doing that anymore. Matter of fact, people need to hear this. God is very clear that the children are not to pay for the sins of their parents. And we have a cult, we have a culture right now that is trying to make everybody pay. And there is no there's no making up for the horrible things that have been done. But we cannot look to people for the justice that only God can give us. And there's really no true justice until eternity. I do not want to pay for the sins of my parents and my grandparents. Oh. <laughs> 
Yeah, so God made it a new thing where he said each and every generation. So all we can do is move forward. All we can do is move forward. And God says my mercy is new every morning. So if God does a reset for each and every one of us every morning, how dare any of us attach anybody to something that was 100 years ago or 10 years ago? You know, and I mean, I've been married 38 years. I, I used to attach all of John's sins to not just this one, but to every time he'd upset me along the same thing. And that does not work because it ends up shaming people. It ends up making them feel helpless and hopeless. And so we need to teach our children. We need to teach our children humility and mercy. Humility so and mercy. Yeah. So good. So, and you know, that's, it's so crazy that you say that. We've These last couple lives we've had, we've been trumpeting mercy. Yeah. We've been trumpeting, you know, humility and love. And we've... Honestly, I've been really touched by the life of Mary, the mother of Jesus, and I'm just so touched by her life because I see that, like, God wasn't in it to use her but to form her so that she'd be formed, and, like, she was formed, and she, she in humility and love, Mm -hmm. I mean, she was invited into suffering. She was invited, like, if you look at her life, we may say, wow, who's this God, you know, like? What about the promise? What about this crazy divine moment with an angel, you know? And like, and the promise didn't look the way she thought it would. Well, wait, she, like, let's just stop there. It never looks look. <laughs> never, never, <laughs> never, never. So true. Yeah. So true. So I'm just so impacted by her life. And I'm looking at our generation today. And I'm looking at like TikTok and Instagram, all this social media, but honestly, Lisa, like, that's the generation that we have, you know, that's the generation that I'm looking at, a generation that's motherless, a generation that's fatherless, you know, foster systems, like, just so much, like, even as as leaders right now, we're being challenged, because we're, we're having, in our early years, my husband's 29, I'm 37, Seven years apart, I know it's crazy, God's story, but like, we're young, we're still learning, we have a, a two-year-old, a four-year-old, and a two-month-old, and and there's, you know, young adults and that are showing up that are wanting mothers and fathers. Yeah, and but, so, see, but here's the thing, this is something I've learned, we don't have to be everything, we just need to be more than them. And, and if that doesn't mean more like more value, it's just like, you know, you, when you have these students come to you, they've never been married. They've never had a two-year-old, a two-month-old, a four-year-old. And you know what everybody at the end of the day is desperate for? They're desperate for family. They're desperate for family. I have to be honest with you that my family is so broken, so broken. I, my father was the son of a Sicilian refugee who died when he was 10. So my dad, my dad grew up without a father. That translated to my dad being an alcoholic. It translated to a lot of brokenness in my father's life. And he didn't know to do better, so he couldn't do better. He didn't have any men come alongside of him and, and put their arm around him. Yeah. And, and so what we have to do is say, I can't do everything, but I can do what I have learned, where God has shown me to be faithful. And that's what Paul would say to Timothy. He said, what I've seen, what I've preached, what I've handled, this is the things that you need to lean on. And I love that you're, I love that you love Mary. 
But I also love Mary's response to the angel. We have to see something going on with the generations because what we have right now is a gap. And this is why I would have said thank you because I was probably working on my manuscript that I have a book coming out next month called Godmothers. But here, here's what we've got right now. We've got the older women who have learned things really hard and, and they think the young women want nothing to do with them. Then we've got the young women who need the advice of the older women, but they think the older women are too busy. And what we have in between this space is called a gap. And a gap is a breach that leaves both sides vulnerable. We're going to have an older generation die off without ever imparting the wisdom that they learned the hard way. And then we're going to have a younger generation that is motherless. And they're trying to be mothers without ever having one. And so we see what happened with, we see what happened. There's, to me, there's two very key things. When Mary finds out she's going to carry a promise, she doesn't go to her natural mother. She goes to a spiritual mother. She goes to Elizabeth. She goes to somebody who would understand the challenges, the fears of what she would be carrying. And it says she goes to Elizabeth. But here's what I love about Elizabeth. Mary didn't even know Elizabeth was pregnant. And so what we have is we have Elizabeth who has decided that what she's carrying is more important than everybody knowing about it. So she has consecrated her life. She has gone into hiding. If I had been known as the barren one, I would have been at the well. I would have been the John Four woman. I would have been like, y'all see what's going on here. I'm pregnant. My husband can't talk. Y'all need to be afraid. But Elizabeth didn't do that. Elizabeth went in hiding. And when the promise to Zechariah was that John would be filled with the Holy Spirit in her womb. But what we actually see happen is it goes more than that. Because it says that John was filled and Elizabeth began to prophesy. How in the world would Elizabeth know her single virgin cousin was pregnant? But she hits that doorway and Elizabeth says, who am I that the mother of my Lord would come into my household. And so what we've got is a woman who is improbably pregnant, that's the older woman, prophesying over the women who are impossibly pregnant. And so we need the older women who have experienced the improbable to begin to prophesy to the young, next generation of younger women the impossible. And so we need impossible and improbable, the prophetic and the promise. Because I believe that Jesus is coming back. And so I believe that we get this forerunner anointing, but we also get that godly, Christ-like, holy church coming up. That church that has said, I will make myself ready. The bride has made herself ready. And so that, that those things are going to begin to happen. And the women, the older women and the younger women, are going to begin to echo God's promises to one another. How did a conversation between two women make it into the Bible. Women weren't even allowed to learn things, but somehow, and this is, this is what I like in my imagination. I believe that as Mary is prophesying the Magnificent and Elizabeth is prophesying over Mary that Zachariah is sitting there with a pen and he is writing down what is happening. And God is saying to his people, I believe there's a lot of people that, that, have right now an experience like Zachariah, God has said, I'm going to come and I'm going to do good to you. 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer your prayers. I mean, think about it. The prayer of Zachariah and Elizabeth for a son ended up being the answer for all of Israel. So what, so what happened was he said, God has heard your prayer, Zachariah. He's going to give you a son. And then Zachariah is like, yeah, I'm not even sure I should listen to you. And then what do we, what do we see happen? He said, like, my wife's old. I don't know whether I should believe you. Well, the angel tells him his name. And the name, like a lot of times people think the name Gabriel means messenger. No, that's his function. The name Gabriel means the might of God. So he said, I am the power and might of God. And I stand in the very presence of God. But because you did not believe this, you're not speaking again until this happens. And I feel like right now we have some of the church right now that's lost its voice. And they will not, they will not find their voice again until they say, God is good. That's what the name John means. God is gracious. God is good. God does good. He is good. You know, and we need to believe that he has good. Now, good doesn't mean escaping persecution. Good doesn't mean material wealth. Good doesn't mean easy. Good means everything he does. It is for growth. It is for good. It is for his purpose. Uh, John and I, and again, like I'm just going on a rant here, but John and I were praying the other morning. We both came up with the same scripture, and I don't know where it is, but it's in Psalms where it says, it says, he who sits in the heavens will laugh. I feel like right now there's all these evil plots. There's conspiracy things. There's this going on. There's this going on. I don't even know what's true anymore because I can't actually go off of what's true in this world. I can have to align my, my life with the truth, and God is the truth, and nothing has changed. And what he said will be. And so I've got to believe that he alone is my rock. He alone is my refuge. He alone is my shelter. That his word is alive. That his spirit is guiding me. And we need to be become more fluent in the word of God, the scriptures, than we are in the conspiracy theories or the, the chants of protesters. We need to be in the word of God because we need to be a people who are discerning in this time. And discerning, discernment only comes when we have the fruit of the Spirit, and we are so quick to talk about what is wrong. But discernment also talks about what is right. Prophetic people can look at a problem and pull forth an answer. Suspicious, angry people, they can't do that. All they can see is the problem. And so we need to be people who prophesy answers, not just echo problems. That's so good. Wow. I'm just, I'm just wrecked right now by what you're saying. Um, because that book that you're, you know, that's a prophetic trumpet right now of that gap. Yeah. You know, of, of these young women yeah. that are looking and they're seeking and these older women that, you know, even with this COVID thing, it's like taking out the elderly, you know, like, like, it's so demonic, like, or the elderly we, are really afraid. If it isn't taking them out, they're there's like afraid. There's fear. I had to go to the um, already. Uh, what do they call it? Like, I had to go get a bone density test this morning, and um, everybody in that like six feet distancing, everybody in masks, and the entire waiting room was just filled with people that just looked so sad, so afraid, so isolated so hopeless and you know I had to keep my mask on and so I turned around 
and I just looked at this little couple right over there, and I just said, yep, there you go, Psalm 2, verse 4. He sits in front of the heavens, laughs at the rebellion. The sovereign Lord scoffs at them in supreme contempt. He wants yes, And it, it even goes on further. But um, I looked at everybody, and I said, I just want you all to know I'm actually smiling. <laughs> and they were like, thank you. I mean, people are so <laughs> yeah, wrong true. right now. They yeah. can't tell. They can't tell what's going on. And what you see is fear. And, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know everything. But I do know the one who does. And that is what we have to go to. He is our living water. He is our living water. He is our healer. He is our counselor. He is our comforter. This is time periods to read the word, worship with all of our might at home. Who cares if the governor of California says you can't sing in church? I mean, I, yes, I do care. I shouldn't say it that way. Nobody, <laughs> can, stop, nobody can stop you from worshiping. from worshiping. You sing in your house. You sing in your car. You show your kids. My boys said that they remember growing up that all they remember me doing was dancing, singing, and on my face. And, you know, I knew, I knew that I couldn't, I could not be a single parent with four boys. And again, yes, I was married, but my husband, he was gone. Yes, and those yes. were back in the days when it was like bragging rights to be like, oh, I was only home three days this month. We have to be people who say, I'm not going to complain. I'm going to worship. So good. So good. You know, like even for me, I can totally relate. Brian, you know, um, was traveling a lot before the pandemic. And then we found ourselves at home. Yeah. Like all the time together. And that brought up a lot of things. It's like a band-aid's been ripped. And all of a sudden we're having to face things that we wouldn't usually face because we're actually in relationship. And I know that you and John have had so many years of marriage. Yes. You know, and honestly, listening to some of your podcasts or listening to some things of, like, what you faced with and, you know, some anger and, like, the things that, like, you walked through, I think has really given me so much hope Good. of, like, you know, like, okay, so I'm not crazy. I'm not, like, not a Christian. Like, <laughs> I can be weak. I can be broken. Like, I am angry. Like, I don't know how to do this. And I feel like God is having us embrace so much weakness right now. And well, honestly, us a chance to turn our weaknesses into strength. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm honestly seeing so much of us, like, including myself, how much I don't like weakness. How much I was taught, be strong, like, keep going, like, you know. And, and so it really did something to me where I was like, I really hate weakness. Like, I don't like it when I'm here. Like, I don't want to be here. Like, and I feel like the Lord's having me sit in it. Like, okay, we're going to sit here mm -hmm. and you're going to see that you're not the strong one, that your weakness really is my strength in you. And well, no, no, our weakness isn't his strength. Our weakness is a place he can inhabit with his strength. With his strength. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm seeing like, even, even so many marriages right now, I really feel like there's even like a war on covenant, you know, well, on, do people, do people, I don't know. So I'm going to, and I'll make it in trouble for saying this, but I'll be, I'll try to be really clear. I don't know if I'll get it right. There is need. There is need in our nation. There is need for healing. There is need for reform. There is need for respect, um, in the different 
races, there is a need for contribution of each and every, because we know that God is the one who makes each of us. He knits us in our mother's womb fearfully and wonderfully, and he loves the diversity of black and Hispanic and Asian and white. He, and he, he loves it. In my case, I have Middle Eastern and um, Sicilian, but he loves all that. My husband is, is half Sicilian Italian. I feel like I should say I'm sorry. But... <laughs> and I'm full Salvadorian, so well, I'm full Central you, American. You guys, you guys have passion. You have passion in your life. Crazy in this yeah. house. <laughs> yeah, but see, here's the thing. All of that's beautiful, and all that diversity is given to express one thing. One thing. It's not to fight with one another. Yeah. It's to lift Jesus up. Come on. And, and we, we have got forgotten as kingdom people that the diversity is this beautiful expression of God's valuing. God values all of that. And um, we don't, we can't fall into the world's mindset. Uh, and even with the things, okay, so even with the thing, let me just do it with the women. Right? We've had years of women being oppressed. You know, women being oppressed. Oppressed in the church. Impressed oppressed in their family, oppressed, whatever. And so um, teaching comes out and women realize, wait, wait, I don't, I don't need to be oppressed anymore. So then we have to make a decision. Now that we have a voice, now that we have influence, are we going to turn and oppress those that oppressed us? Because if I turn and I oppress those that have oppressed me, then I'm, I'm not following those statutes of Jesus. So I have to decide if I am rising, if I have influence, then it is because God wants me to lift other people into a place of the same. But lifting other people never means we push anybody else down. So when women are have value added to them, it's not by taking it from the men. We get our value from God. So I get my value from God. I don't get my value from my husband. Just my, I have a great husband. But he's not the one who ultimately assigns my value. Because if he's the one ultimately assigns my value, he can take it away from me. So you never want to give the power to anybody that only belongs to God. So God is alone is my assigner of value. He is where I get my authority. He is where I get my guidance. So he is ultimately who I submit to. And then John and I submit it, it, we're under we're under a covenant with God, so we both submit to God, and He loves me like Christ loves the church, and I honor and respect Him, and together we build something beautiful. Now that doesn't mean we always do it perfect, but that means that we're, we're like one people, like one couple under God. And if our nation is truly one nation under God, then we're going to have to find out what the Scripture says about us as individuals, because. We don't know people. It says that we henceforth know no man after the flesh, but by the spirit. And there are a lot of evil spirit things being exposed right now. Yeah. But there's also a lot of really good people that are now afraid to speak truth. And I had posted something. Um, I've been very outspoken um, about the constant intrinsic bias and racial bias. But I'm so glad you have been. Like, yeah. I- I yeah. can't champion you, Lisa. I, I feel like even for my 
the younger generation, like, we need you. We, we need your voice. We need your wisdom. Like, I'm just getting wrecked even on this live. Like, I'm being encouraged. And I hope, like, oh, you know, like. Yeah. So, you were well, saying. No, no. But so, I, so, I believe, I believe, I believe that it's okay to highlight one and say Black Lives Matter. Because right now, that's what's under attack. Hispanic Lives Matter. Uh, Native Lives Matter. White lives matter, you know, Asian lives. I mean, like, I feel like it's okay, but I think that we can say that, but we can't, we can't neglect that all lives matter because one person gave their life. And so we've got to stop talking about the smaller narrative and talk about the bigger narrative. And so at the end of the day, you and I wouldn't even be talking if Jesus hadn't died for me. Because, I, you know, I would have been isolated. I think, seriously, I think I would have been dead somewhere in an alley. But so, when, so Black Lives Matter, as far as the concept, I completely support. I do not support the organization. The organization is anti-family. It is anti-church. It is LGBTQ. Uh, and, you know, it wants to disorder. Now, I will say this. I believe that God loves everyone. I don't go, I don't go in down the road of... Um, anybody that walks on this earth is outside of God's love because I don't believe that, you know, so I, but I do believe that the church has been so known for what it's against rather than what it's for, that we have lost our voice in this time. So I think now it's time to say, okay, now this horrible things have happened. How do we move forward with reform? How do we move forward? Because we can't go back and we can tear down every single statue but that at the end of the day that doesn't satisfy yeah you know it's like this god okay so when i was going through an incredible depression when i had my second son i kept saying god why am i so fearful why am i so angry why is this going on why is that going on and he said to me you're asking the wrong question and i said what what do you mean uh you know what do you mean i'm asking the wrong question and he said why is the wrong question? He said, you will never know freedom until you know the who, not the why. So wow. he said, you need to know me more than you've known the lies in your life. And he said, Lisa, you can spend your whole life figuring out why you're messed up and you will still be messed up once you know why. He said, knowing why does not set you free. Knowing me sets you free. Come on. And we need to, as a nation, hit our knees, not to one another, but to God. Because we've got a mess right now. Only, only, only God can be the one who can actually heal us. So good. And I really feel like we're on a verge to really experience revival. This person is saying, I am bored and I have a hidden agenda. That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, hallelujah. Honestly, I am, I am so encouraged, really. Um, I think that I've been, I've been telling our community and just even you know, the way that we have a voice right now is saying like, wait, Ray's saying something. Ray, I totally agree with that. I just want you to look at the agenda. If you go to their, uh, go to their webpage and just see, because I agree that, and I did blackout Tuesday and that kind of stuff, but there's just some other stuff that is, um, mixed into the mix. So I agree. Yeah. I I, I think that I'm actually really heartbroken, um, that it wasn't the church you know, why, did, why didn't the church bring this up? Why did it have to be um, 
why did it have to be an organization outside of the church? Why didn't the church say enough is enough? Why, why didn't the church identify racism? That's just tragic, you know? Why is it organizations outside of the church that are fighting sex trafficking? Why is it organizations outside of the church that are, you know, trying to um, stop abortion? I mean, like, why, why, why are all the things that we should be passionate about to love others and preserve life and see things be equitable? Why is that all happening outside of the church? That's what's really tragic. It is tragic. But then I, I have hope when I look at someone like you. And well, when, when I look at someone like Christine Kane, who's been doing A21, mm-hmm. like, they're, they're, and this is what I want to say, like, even for the church, because I've been hearing so much, I'm just going to be honest, like, I, I, I'm so about the church, like, you know, I'm a prodigal, I hated the church, but then I was saved in the church, Yeah. and I know the church is broken, I know the church yeah. has done tragic things, yeah. but I also feel like the slander against the church has to stop. And we have to really come to a place of seeing the hope that's in the church. You're a hope to the church. We are the church. What you just said, Christine Kane, yeah. women like Christine Kane that are like standing against trafficking, you know, like that's yeah. a voice to the church. So I yeah. feel, Lisa, that we're going to have one of the greatest revivals in the church, that, that God is going to highlight you and these women that are going to come up and really stand for us. And say, yeah. hey, that was tragic. We're sorry. We're moving on together. And yeah. this, is, this is what we're going to do. We're going to activate now. We're not going to isolate. We're not going to go in a room and be afraid. It's time to activate. And that's what I yeah. feel. Like, in my bones, I know that. Like, the greatest hour is coming. And it's like this woman at the well. Her greatest hour. I didn't even know this. Like, my God, she's apostolic, moving in signs and wonders and in the moment of persecution and suffering and here she stands and goes with jesus as a martyr like wow like you know so i i just out of this conversation with you i have so much hope for the church and and you know i'm just so excited that like he's inviting us in this hour to activate ourselves like yeah not not to not to shrivel up in fear you know and can i just say something posting things on social media is not activating yourself I mean, it's it's positioning yourself, but it's not activating yourself. Um, if you if you see your brother in need, you're supposed to do something. Come on, you know. So activating ourselves is to actually have actions, and actions of faith, actions of love, actions of you know godliness and holiness and encouragement and and so somehow social media has made everybody either a sheriff or an outlaw. And they feel like they all have the right to attack everybody that they think isn't doing enough, doing too much. There is just so much criticism going on. And I think right now, uh, the isolation of people being isolated also really hurts that. And then when you see people, they all like look like bandits. So I think think we need to actually be loving for one another, patient with one another, to believe the best. Be willing to, to teach and share. I had the privilege, um, Christine organized with Dr. Anita Phillips, and we all got on this phone call with Sarah Jake Roberts, Priscilla Shire, a couple other women. We had, I want to say, like 100 leaders. Wow. And we all said we want to, you know, we, we want to hear. And wept, like, I wept like a baby to hear that 
uh, any of my sisters of color would have to be worried about their kids when their kids are driving in a car or out at night or worried about their husbands. I wept like a baby. That's wrong. That's wrong. That's totally wrong. And that reform needs to happen. That's just, that's just wrong. You know, so we need to actually hear one another. Yes. And not just get defensive. Yeah. And, 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 or, or even for me, because I was raised in a household where my dad was Sicilian and he had experienced a lot of attacks growing up from the Ku Klux Klan. Uh, they would attack the Jews, the blacks, and the Italians because the Italians were Catholic. And my family was very, very quick to call out racism of any kind, any shape or form. And I, I've always said to myself, well, I'm not a racist. I'm not a racist. I'm not a racist. But me being not a racist doesn't mean that racism doesn't exist. And so I think too many white people are so, like, scared, you know, because it's not their vantage that they forget to acknowledge that it is other people's experience. They are and, not a validated pain. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. And so we need to, we need to validate it and we need to realize that, um, you know, to be honest with you, that I think that the concept of white privilege becomes this place where people push back. It bothers them. But I think, I think that it obviously is a reality in certain areas. I think it's more white advantage. There's an advantage that if you are white, but they're also, I will say the common denominator of criminals period is when they uh, have no dads in the house. Yeah. So when there's no daddies in the house, white boys do horrible things. Asian boys do horrible things. Hispanic boys do horrible oh, things. Yeah. Black boys do horrible things. When there's no daddies, there's no God factor, and it is really, really hard. So I think that we need just, to realize that we need, all need God the Father. Yes, and I'm seeing, like, we, we really are this one race thing that Jesus did, you know, and it wouldn't be what you're saying right now. We wouldn't be on this call if it wasn't for Jesus. Yeah. And there's a divine privilege that we have, whether Hispanic, white, black, it's divine. Like, none of us deserve it. That's what I've been with the Lord. Like, I don't deserve any of it. Like, how am I yeah. even here? But yeah. it's divine privilege. It's Jesus. And so, yeah. Lisa, yeah. would you, would yeah. you, because I don't want to get cut off, and I no, think we've got, gonna... like, two more minutes. Yes. But would you just trumpet us and pray for us? Absolutely. We so love you, and you're a hero and a legend. Like, seriously, I can't. I was so nervous before I got on this call. We prayed no. together. I was like, so it's easy. Lisa. I'm so like, easy. Yes. I'm so easy. You know, and again, I want to say, if there's anybody out there and they're thinking, well, I don't have a, I don't have a father. I don't have what I need to make it. Well, you do have a heavenly father. And even if your earthly father has rejected you, you have a heavenly father who actually sacrificed his only begotten son so that he could adopt you. And so you are fully loved and you are fully adopted. And so heavenly father, I thank you that on this phone call, there has both been daughters and there's been mothers, that there is grandmothers and there are granddaughters. And father, I thank you that we would be your women who would rise up in this season of the impossible, of the improbable, and that we would begin to bless and not curse one another, that we would use our strength to lift one another, that the older women would lift the younger yes, women, gosh. that the old younger women would feel the courage yes. to go and pull the deep 
wisdom yes. that would run in a hard way out of the older women. Father, I thank you that you would begin to close the gaps, that we would all begin to say the same thing, that we would begin to prophesy thy kingdom come, thy will be done on yes. earth as it is in heaven. There are no, there's no racism in heaven. There's no hatred in heaven. Yes. There's no black in heaven. There's no injustice in heaven. So Father, we thank you that your kingdom will come and your will will be done. And Father, I thank you that you will have the end of the story already yeah. written out and that you have the final word and that it is not the word of a man or a word of a woman or a word of the old or a word of the young, but it is yeah. the word of the Lord that would endure forever in yeah. Jesus' name. And Father, wash us with your word. Yes. Wash away any shame that we have. Wash away any pride that we have. Wash away any guilt that we have. Give us eyes to see the yes. way you see things. Give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying. And give us a heart, a heart that is moved with empathy and compassion. Yes. Father, let not fear cause us to hold back. Father, I thank you that the same glory, the same glory that Jesus prayed in John 17, the same glory that he walked in with you, that the church would become one. So that same glory that was on Jesus' life would be seen on our lives in Jesus' name. Thank and you. thank you. Thank you so much. I love you, Lisa. Bye. Thank you so much. Absolutely. It's an incredible privilege. Love that you love, love Mary. You. Love that you love the woman at the well. Yeah. Thank you, Lisa. Absolutely. You never promised that it'd be easy, but you said you never lived.